This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Okay, welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast. It's Alan again here in Whistler, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with acclaimed Whistler Mayor Jack Crompton. Welcome to Sea to Sky podcast, Jack. Thank you. I'm uh, excited about doing it. I've been listening to them for the last uh, few weeks, and I think you guys are doing a great job. Excited to be able to talk about Whistler. Great, and thank you for saying that. And okay. Um, one thing that happens when you're acclaimed is you don't go through the election pro- process. Are you sad that you missed out on that? A little. I love campaigning. Like I really enjoy talking to people, having people ask tough questions and, and having to answer those questions. It's, it's something I enjoy about local government. Um, however, it's, it's, it's nice to have time to uh, consider where we're going as a community, talk to people I trust. Um, and, and really consider what's next. Um, typically, when you run for election, you're elected and, and right away you step into the seat. So um, I, I'm grateful for that time to, to, to really think it through and, 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 and be patient and consider. Because it is a steep learning curve. Even though you've been in council and even before council you were politically active, it is a steep learning curve. And are you afraid because there's only three incumbents are you afraid that the people you're going to have to work with they're going to be facing that steep learning curve and may not be as well prepared as you are Uh, you know i think the three incumbents that are running are really strong and and i think that their experience if they're re-elected will be crucial to to ramping up there is a couple other councillors who have also been on council sorry council candidates that have been on council before um but I think that that is one of the crucial roles that a mayor plays, is really uh, being a team builder, uh, understanding the group of people they're working with, and helping them ramp up. So um, I think there are candidates with experience, but I also see that as my role, as, as, as helping uh, bring a team together. And that's really what I've been doing at the regional district for the last four years, is, is being a team builder, being someone who listens well, who understands what values the people around the table have and, and, and trying to work with a team and as a team. And so I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that role and I'm excited to take that role. Okay, so, but you do have uh, a tough four years ahead of you. There are big issues ahead. Now, I just, I want to set the stage a bit. We're sitting outside the brew house. We're across from the Whistler Plaza. Now, 2010 was sort of a watershed moment for Whistler, no doubt about it. It's probably never going to be busier. We're never going to be on the world stage like we were for the Olympics. What has happened since the Olympics that you liked and what you don't like, what you wish you could go back and change? Well, we, I was first elected in 2011, and uh, it was after the Olympics, and we had kind of been um, protected from the 2008 economic downturn by the Olympics. Big investment coming into our community, uh, all of our minds turned towards uh, getting ready and preparing ourselves to deliver. Uh, on the Olympics and so when we were elected in 2011 we as a community really started to feel that economic downturn and uh, the the mandate to Mayor Nancy Wilhelm Morton and to the six of us who were on that 2011 council was um, economic development 
focus on uh, on on what Whistler needs to be at our, our a resort community that delivers a service that has businesses that are thriving, um, and and that was our focus. We really put our minds to um, being evidence based, looking at the data, working with the business community and with the residents to um, take advantage of some macroeconomic factors like economy started to turn a little bit, uh, the Canadian dollar came down to about 70 cents on the dollar, we, we had a few good years of, of snow, um, but it was important that we were prepared to take advantage of that. So I think that taught me a lesson about how local government should work. You should be attentive and you should be prepared, prepared for upturns, prepared for downturns and nimble and ready to, to respond. Um, well, you know, we and we just came out of a three-hour all-candidates meeting, and I should note that even though you're a claim mayor, you do show up at these meetings and <laughs> yeah. sit through the entire three hours. Yeah. And you heard, as well as I did, there was a lot of talk about fiscal responsibility. So having just said that, going forward, what are some of the, where are we going to find the money for some of these, prog prog uh, these projects, like, uh, uh, you know, on Chequemus Crossing? And you know other the museum and other amenities we are in a tremendously strong financial position as a, a municipality we have um, a strong reserve uh, accounts we are uh, ready with tools to deliver on housing the WHA uh, is world-renowned as a um, tool to uh, to deliver affordable housing to a community and it's there for us to use. The experience that we gained with the uh, Whistler Development Corporation is ours to take advantage of. Um, so we've, we've done a good job at keeping taxes. We were three zero increases in 2011, 2012, 2013 and since then it's, it's hovered around um, CPI. So uh, I would say we're in an extremely strong position to take advantage of, of the tools that we have and the revenue that we have. Uh, in my view, uh, it is about large-scale projects like housing and how those are, are, are financed. Um, we're, I, I, we're ready. And it's no secret that housing is the number one issue. That's, and that's nothing new. It's been the number one issue for about as long as I can remember. And so when it comes to housing, the biggest project on the books that we can go forward with is Chequemus Crossing. So are you telling me that you feel confident that there's going to be no problems? I mean, okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah. barring, barring yeah. another 2008 meltdown, are you saying that we're prepared to go forward with that project and there's no, no major hurdles in the road? It's interesting that you said that, that housing's been the problem for as long as you can remember. However, in 2011, 2012, 2013, a lot of people around this town looked at themselves and said, we fixed the housing problem. Yeah. If you were to go to the back of the peak at that point, you would have seen no jobs and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of housing for rent. Hard to it's, believe. It's but. now exactly the opposite. Um, and so, uh, in, in, in my opinion, we're well set up with good tools. I would say to Squamish that Squamish needs a housing authority. Those tools that we have set us up for success. And um, so, yes. Even with a downturn in the economy, I think we can be creative in how we respond. And I think that's back to what I said earlier. We need to be nimble, we need to be attentive, we need to pay attention to what's happening locally and what's happening globally and respond. And um, I am thinking about a downturn. 
I am thinking about what happens in this planning community. for worst case scenario. Yeah, like well, planning for both. I mean, uh, this is the first time. I think in Whistler's history where we've had three years in a row of great snow, booming global economy, and the Canadian dollar at 70 cents. That, does, that does not happen over and over and over and over again. Right. So we better be prepared for things to uh, be difficult, but we should better also be prepared to take advantage uh, if, if it turns up. Speaking of booming, one thing that we, excuse me, one thing we saw this summer is I think a traffic jam coming into the village about every weekend. I I haven't seen that. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna date myself, but <laughs> in, the, in all the years I've been either living in Whistler, or coming to Whistler, the only times I've seen that traffic jams like that are usually on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. Um, and now we're seeing it almost every weekend in the summer months. Yeah. So that speaks to transit. Is there some way not just for commuters, but I mean maybe. Is there some way that we can bring in visitors via mass transit? Uh, the, the numbers tell us that we're doing a really good job of bringing in destination visitors via mass transit. So if you're landing at the Vancouver airport, you're highly likely to get on mass transit, a bus or a, or a, or a shuttle. Um, regional transit will be for people commuting to work primarily. As far as uh, servicing, you know, Metro Vancouver with a mass transit service, uh, that's been a tougher nut to crack. Uh, in my view, that's something that the corridor needs to work on, and the corridor has put work into it. I, the leadership from uh, Patty Heinzman over the last four years is notable. We um, we definitely have to be creative about that. Um, and, and unfortunately, we don't have a clear answer about how to get someone coming from Burnaby on mass transit. Epic Rides, the Squamish Commuter, um, uh, Pacific Coach, they're doing part of that job, but you've put your finger on what our challenge is. And it is, um, you know, Metro Vancouver people coming up here in single occupancy vehicles. Whistler's a tourism town. Yeah. We want those people to come and enjoy this place. It, it's a mark of success that people are coming here in the summer because we had to diversify away from being just a winter resort. The, when the province created this municipality, they created it with a mind to be a four season uh, uh, resort. So people coming here in the summer is a good thing. We have to come up with solutions for how we manage that capacity. Um, and, and our community is definitely eager to do that work. And it's already happening around a lot of the tables that, that are here in Whistler. Okay, so, but let's talk about the commuters. That is definitely something in terms of regional transportation that, that has been in demand for a long time. And I know that you've come out in favor of that. The question is, and I've talked to Patricia Heinzman, the outgoing Squamish mayor, about this as well. The problem always comes down to how are you going to fund it? Mm -hmm. Which... I, having listened to the Sea to Sky podcast for a little while, there's revisionist history about what happened when the, when the, <laughs> uh -oh. when, the when the, everyone's got a different yeah, version. Well, no, no, I, I, I looked into the, the what happened was, um, 
we knew what the problem was as the Sea to Sky and primarily Squamish and Whistler. And it was related to safety on the highway and the commuter was a good idea. And Whistler and Squamish committed to a three-year um, uh, test program under the financial terms that BC Transit has across the province, which is 53% paid by the municipalities, 47% paid for by the province. The request to the province, though, was you have to come up with a different funding model for this because this is regional. This is provincial responsibility. It's not municipal responsibility, and this funding model doesn't work. And now Squamish, Pemberton, and the SLRD agree we're not asking for a 53-47 here. We want the province to step up and fund this to a level that makes sense for communities. So when that three years expired, Whistler said, listen province, you haven't come up with a funding model that works and we're not willing to forever and ever fund it under this uh, uh, funding model. So when I say now I'm supportive of regional transit and when Mayor Heinzman says she's supportive of regional transit, we're saying we support regional transit under a model where the province picks up a fair share of, of the tab. Squamish shouldn't have to be paying for people to commute to Metro Vancouver. That's a provincial cost because uh, commuters that serve Metro Vancouver and, and are coming from Squamish drive the provincial economy. Right, so right. Those that, dollars aren't staying in Squamish. Yeah, yeah. Or, that previous yeah. decision was very much one about provincial funding not about the, the, the Squamish commuter uh, itself. So that said... And, and uh, one more thing. Okay. The money that was taken uh, away from the regional service meant that Whistler didn't have to cut as much of their local service because we were going through cuts here as well. Also important to note is the money that was saved in Squamish went into growing local transit in Squamish fairly quickly as well. So those dollars didn't go away. They went back into to transit. Okay. And with, okay, so with that said, and uh, yeah. thank you for the comprehensive answer. <laughs> this is something, you, there's no I, doubt that you've I, looked into this. But I don't think there's any, any uh, shred of doubt left there. Okay. But that said, how do we get the, pro so how do we get the province to pay for, I guess you're saying, the lion's share, as you mm -hmm. say, basically is, is a regional transportation system, definitely from Squamish probably to Pemberton, mm -hmm. possibly. Mount Curry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and maybe maybe going south as far to West Van. Yes, that's that's the intention. That's what BC Transit has has looked into, and that's what we've been pushing for as a region. Uh, yesterday, uh, all three councils—Squamish, Whistler, and Pemberton—approved uh, a resolution that asked the provincial government to apply a motor fuel tax on um, gasoline in the Sea to Sky corridor and have that money go to fund regional transit. Yeah, um, the problem with that, and we've heard this solution before, the problem is that is that you get a gas tax and gas goes up, and then all of a sudden you find out that none of that money is going towards transit. Why would none of that money go towards well, transit? Well, we've heard that we've had these arguments before. Not that we're arguing, but let's I, argue. I've, <laughs> I'm ready to argue. I, yeah, I, know, I can tell that you are. Yes, yeah, so I, I know. I know. You're, you're, you're more well informed on the subject than I am. The perception, I should probably say, yeah. is that the money doesn't seem to be there for transit after the gas tax uh, inflates the price of gasoline. It seems the perception from people, and I, I, I say this as long experience as a journalist talking in many small yeah. communities in the corridor, 
is that it seems to be that, uh, well, I should say, I'm talking about Vancouver, but it, it seems to be that transit doesn't improve and the gas tax raises the price of gasoline. That That is what how people see it. So we'll have a real, real... I guess transparency is what well, it comes We'll have to. a really easy way to measure whether that's true or not. Okay. Either there will be buses going between Squamish and Whistler and Squamish and Vancouver, or there won't. Right. And uh, because from our perspective and Squamish's perspective and Pemberton's perspective at this point, we're not funding regional transit without provincial funding yeah. so uh, and currently West Vancouver is charging a 17 cent a liter fuel motor fuel tax the vast majority who of people who sit in those huge long lines that you see coming into and out of Squamish into and out of Vancouver will pass a gas station in West Vancouver will pass a gas station in Squamish will pass a gas station in Whistler and if the price is higher in Squamish and Whistler they'll buy their gas in West Vancouver so that 17 cents that is not being levied in Squamish or in, in Whistler uh, will likely be available to us. And that's the message that we've received from some of the provincial politicians that we've spoken to who have served our corridor over time, is that they don't think that that uh, tax will be recognized in increased cost of gasoline at the pump. Now, what about the rail line and I know and I've talked to many politicians in this corridor about that rail line I know the, the the general answer is it's too slow but the trains used to run I used to ride on that train and the fact of the matter is that people love to get on trains there's a romance and just a greater appeal of getting on a train there is getting on a bus is there any chance of re-establishing a rail link to North Vancouver from Whistler there is, uh, and I've been working hard with uh, Marg Lantman, who's the mayor of Lillooet, to advocate to the province for something like that. The challenge is, what kind of train is it? Is it a train that serves commuters that are traveling between North Vancouver, or Vancouver downtown, Squamish and Whistler, or is it a tourist train? If it's a tourist train, serving West Vancouver to Whistler is untenable. Someone is not landing at the Vancouver no. airport and finding their they way want, to West Vancouver. They want to walk out of the terminal and get Ex on a bus. Exactly. That I understand. And yeah. that cost to put a train to YVR from Squamish and Whistler is not something that the province is even near uh, talking about. Um, and then the problem with the train from West Vancouver to Squamish and Pemberton is uh, if it's a commuter train, does it move fast enough? And our tracks uh, have too many turns for them to move faster than 60 to 70 kilometers an hour. So um, it's worth uh, talking to the provincial government about. It's a worth lobbying them uh, to come to the table and do something about it. The, the angle that we've taken is we've asked the provincial government, the federal government, to engage via rail to get on the line and provide a service that goes right up to Prince George. Right now, Via Rail serves from Edmonton to Prince Rupert. So uh, it's, it's interesting that Metro Vancouver to Prince George isn't served, but Edmonton to Prince Rupert through Prince George is. And so if that link was connected, it would serve the province with, with transit that was, um, I guess, comprehensive. I, I would be surprised if in the next one or two years, that becomes a reality, but we're working hard for it. And we've had some good signs from upper levels of government that they're at least willing to discuss it. Okay, and another big issue that you're probably going to face as mayor, uh, it's, not, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to make a direct decision on it, but your opinion will matter. 
And I'm not asking, well, I did I did hit Jen Ford with this, and I, you know, if she's listening, I apologize. I kind of put her on the spot with it. It was only because she sat on the SLRD that I asked her this. Is And you can probably guess where I'm going, Garibaldi at Squamish. Yep. What's your, what's your position on that? Um, we we uh, at the uh, at the regional district and all of the local governments along the Sea of Sky have uh, opposed it um, for numerous reasons. It's counter to our regional growth strategy. It, um, it 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 puts a massive, massive, massive new community right in the middle of a problem that we're trying to address right now around uh, highway capacity. Um, and it puts us again right in the middle of an employment crisis and so um, we're challenged to understand why a, uh, a resort right on this road makes a ton of sense at this point and then water concerns there's a number of issues that uh, surround it it's predictable that the mayor of or the i'm not the mayor yet but the incoming mayor of whistler would would have challenges with the with uh, Garibaldi at Squamish um, but having sat on the regional district and been the chair of the regional district I think there's challenges to the rest of the communities as well I think one of the major ones for Squamish is the idea of densification of the downtown core starting to build down on on the waterfront and just getting momentum on building out a downtown that has um, that's going to be incredibly special. And as soon as you sort of take all of that energy and momentum and put it up in the hills, you're going to lose one of the core values that we have as a regional government, which is focusing density where it exists. That is smart growth. That is what you know planners who sit around and talk about the best kind of growth talk about, um, which is focusing it where it exists in master plan communities that, it, that we've already agreed to to uh, put in the Sea to Sky corridor and then in the municipalities um, that, are, that are existing. We want Squamish to be the vibrant port town that we all uh, know it's becoming. I mean, I was driving through Squamish two days ago and to see the number of buildings and the reinvestment and the redevelopment in Squamish is stunning and I, it's exciting. I, I think in the next 10 years, what you're gonna see in Squamish is gonna be pretty impressive. So. From my perspective, it's more than just another ski resort on the Sea to Sky Highway. It's about regional growth being done in an intelligent way. Okay, and let's bring it back to Whistler. Uh, you're, you're talking a lot about growth in the, in the corridor, but you're going to be Whistler's mayor. And one of the big concerns is we got all these new young families that are living here. And of course, you know, the way that the, the resort grows is mainly through small businesses. They, a lot of people have been here long term, you know, they've worked here. Now they want to start a new business. You know, what can the council do for them? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I realize it's a free market, but is there anything the council can do? And if so, what are some of the things you would imagine they could do? Yes, yeah, small footprints in, in commercial space means local business. Uh, I think that that's something we have to uh, uh, take seriously and move forward with. London Drugs process, you know, 10 years ago where London Drugs was going to put a huge footprint store in our yeah, town. Yeah, I remember that debate. Yeah, we Very were, contentious debate. Exactly, and yeah. we resisted that. And and I think that in, in, in a lot of ways, uh, we need to continue to stick to our guns on on um, small footprints. On uh, the Chamber of Commerce here is unbelievable in the work they do, and we need to support their efforts in our community. Um, and then just collaboration between Vale. 
Tourism Whistler, Chamber of Commerce to make sure that business people in this town feel supported. I would say the most important thing we can do for people that want to start businesses in this town is address our housing situation. Yeah, it uh, seems to always come back yeah. to that. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah. if people can't afford to live here, they can't afford to, to start businesses here. And if people can't afford to hire people who live here, uh, we, we will be moving down a path where we'll have empty storefronts. And uh, we've been there before and we don't want to go back. So it, it's, it's important that we uh, really push forward on the, the recommendations of the Mayor's Task Force on, on, on housing and deliver. Uh, some of those to the community. What about down at Function Junction? Is there anything beyond the, the large development that's currently, uh, I guess, moving forward there? Is there anything else that could be put down there or is Function Junction serving the purpose that it was in, intended to? It's a, Whistler's light industrial area. Of course, now we've got you know, we've got retail stores in there, we've got mm -hmm. housing, so it's, it's it has changed. Should it change more or should we sort of just slow it down and keep it the way it is. We are putting sidewalks in Function Junction. Like okay, <laughs> thank you. So, so the age-old conversation is is. Well, that uh, mean, that would ahead. signify a big change. Well, I think communities change. Uh, you know, we I don't think you're ever at the point where you say, is the village stroll exactly as we wanted in 20 years? Well, no, businesses are going to come, businesses are going to go, the, the community is going to change. And um, so, I think we want to be alive to that. We want to be alive to what's happening in Function Junction. And yeah, we've started to have more recreation down there. We have um, pubs and, 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 and brew, brew pubs. We've, we've got Purebred was born in, um, in Function Junction. So a lot of great stuff has come out of that uh, slow gentrification of, of Function Junction. And, um, I'm grateful for it. I mean, it, we the 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 ROWs resisted it because we want to maintain light industrial. But you know, those of us who have seen the move are are grateful for what it's what it's brought us. It's brought us great assets for, that this community has going forward. As mayor, what can you do, if anything? And I th I guess that really this is part of the job. You're an ambassador for the community, and what do you see? As mayor, when you go out in you know, across Canada, across BC, or maybe internationally, what can you do to enhance the Whistler brand? Uh, ski and ride my bike when I'm here, and then tell the world about this place. I, I feel like we are champions for Whistler because we live here, we raise families here, we know what a glorious place it is. It's an easy story to tell. I, I mean, really, it's an easy story to tell. I. I I um, I love talking about my home. This is a this is a dream come true for me to move into this role. My my grandfather built the uh, the um, clock tower hotel, and they were my grandfather and grandmother were the original shareholders in the Garibaldi Lift Company. And I grew up seeing this place as like heaven, like magic. This is where it all happened, and so it's an easy piece of advocacy for me to do. Um, and, and I would say I just want to be someone who's out in the community enjoying everything it has to offer and then tell that story to the world. But you know, are you surprised at how much Whistler's changed in the years that you've been here? I mean, it, it can be a little astounding at times. Oh yeah. You, you imagine how it used to be and you yeah. look around and see what it is now. Gary Watson, I, I, Gary Watson's an old Whistler, I mean, he's, he's one of the fathers of Whistler and I uh, for for the um, during the 
prep for the campaign, I, I did a, a bunch of video conversations with uh, various community members. I did one with him, and I and asked him to tell me his Whistler story. And he said, in 1961, I was doing law work for a, a, a logging company near Function Junction, and I came up. And in 1961, I, I borrowed someone's truck and I drove up over the flank of Whistler Mountain and I saw the valley for the first time. And that's when the love affair began. Um, you know, <laughs> from there till now, every decade something, you know, massive has changed. He told me about when he was the chair of the Olympic Committee. And I and so heard the story, it was, it, was, it was a fascinating story, but I asked him, was that a Whistler bit or a Vancouver bit? And he said, oh, it was a Whistler bid. I said, so you were going to build a hockey arena and yeah, like that's speed why Whistler skating? was built. Originally was, yeah. A hockey rink in Whistler. And he said, and he, and he just kind of sat back in his chair and he said, it was preposterous. That like, wasn't, it was that wasn't preposterous. The, for people that don't know, we're not talking about the 2010 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about, what was it? 1968. Yeah. Oh, 1960. I was going to say 1972. 1968 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and, and they were having this conversation in 1963. So in five years, they proposed in, in 1963 to 1968 to build a hockey rink, a speed skating oval, ski jumps in Whistler. And to, to a resort that didn't even have a highway to it yet. Yeah, which, so. which, all that to say, he said it was preposterous. It was preposterous that we would ever imagine that we would get the 1968 games. But what it did was it locked us in as Whistler will be a ski resort. And since then, we've gone down that path. And so, yes, it's intimidating that we're changing. Yes, it's... It's, um, it's, it takes thought about what we want to be going forward. But for those kids that grew up here in Myrtle Phillip Elementary School was where the Cascade Lodge is now. Um, my nephew went there. Yeah. Well, when it was a little uh, red house, a little red. Exactly. Yeah. And we were probably sitting on the soccer field that, that, that was there. I think we, we acknowledge change and we just want to be ready for it. And we want Whistler to grow thoughtfully. We have got to the point that a lot of those original planners thought of in, in our town. I mean, some of the pain we're feeling is that we're bumping our heads up against those limits to growth that we imagined. And so we're in a new phase. We're in a phase of, of sort of thinking through what it means to be a community that isn't building new, that isn't putting you know, new big buildings in the ground. How do we draw reinvestment in our, in our current commercial uh, buildings? Uh, how do we make sure that the community who lives here uh, has high quality of life and, and wants to stay here, doesn't feel like they're pushed out? So our challenges are different, but uh, you know, to say that we're going to remain the same, I, I think is, is a little bit um, out of touch with the way the world works, the world changes. Yeah, and I think that has been one of the challenges for Whistler in the post-Olympic period is that we've kind of lost the dream. I mean, you know, as, as you were saying, we've both been talking about Whistler was, was founded by dreamers and yeah. that sort of dreamer mentality took us all the way to the 2010 Olympics. Yeah. And now I think there's been a bit of identity crisis. We haven't suffered for it. We had a few years of Olympic hangover, mm -hmm. but certainly, as you said, we've recovered. But... Have we lost something? Is there is you know like you say? I mean, where where is the next big dream? Where is the next big idea? Or is it just a matter of sort of maintaining what's been created? I don't. Th I mean, I maintain sounds very mundane. Mundane. Yeah. And from my perspective, uh, it's it's more about 
How does a community stay vibrant and engaged and excited about who they are when they're bumping up against limits to growth? So um, I imagine things like this village stroll is this tremendous asset that's been built over time. And when I had kids and they were little and sorry when I first had kids we would bring them in here and we'd see a lot of the the community out on on the stroll that's happening less now just because there's so many people but I imagine you know some of us families who live here and the people who live here taking back the stroll on a Wednesday afternoon uh, uh, every week I, the, I, we were in Italy and I was, we were in a second floor apartment and every day at four o'clock we would hear chaos down below and I'd look out the window what's going on after about a week, I figured out it was this thing they have there called La Passeggiata. So every day, four o'clock, old men put on bow ties and waddle around town. Little kids run and kick soccer balls. People have cappuccinos and chat. And they La Passeggiata means slow walk. It's yeah. just a slow walk. And I feel like something like that, that our community actually engages and feels excited about who they are and proud of who we are and 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 meanwhile considers what it means to be bumping your head on on limits to growth well i think uh with those inspiring words i think we'll wrap it up because i'm frankly i'm getting cold <laughs> just sitting up here uh were you surprised to see snow on october 1st oh man it like my, my my daughter screamed when she my daughter loved, just screamed when she woke up this morning and that scream has become familiar you know what it is it's snowing yeah and so uh yeah it's pretty exciting it's it's good to see snow so hope, yeah. hopefully a good ski season ahead yeah. uh election first remember everyone if you don't get out and vote october 20th you've got nothing to complain about ah uh, no people <laughs> hey don't don't believe the hype. Complain. Talk to us. We want to hear your voices, whether you vote or not. But get out and vote. I agree. I agree. Okay. And I, yeah. I want to thank the Brew House for letting us use their patio. And again, a uh, warm thank you to yeah, yeah. Whistler Mayor Jack Crompton. Nice pea coat, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I know. That's what I was saying. <laughs> this is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 